Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Hi there, folks. This is episode 215 of the WB Tonic Show. It's our roundtable special every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can join us as well if you want to on our Facebook page, or you can log in to our Zoom platform and be part of the conversation as well. Um, I'm going to let our great panel introduce themselves and i'm going to start off with ladies and let's start off with kim first like to introduce yourself kim yes please i'm kim shivler i'm a wordpress trainer uh, communications consultant and i focus on online courses membership sites and building your brand through communication that's great um sally like to introduce yourself sure my name is Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl because I am. And <laughs> I build uh, websites for growing businesses and for nonprofits. And I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. That's great. I'm going to let our special guest introduce himself. Introduce yourself, Jason. Uh, hi, I'm Jason Marlowe. I'm a WordPress consultant and a longtime uh, web and graphic designer. I'm also a digital marketing uh, pro. Wear a lot of hats. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be on the show. Have you brought your hats with you? Uh, they're actually in the John other room. Is wearing the hat I've only got day. one hat on. So, uh, um, yeah. And I'm also, I'm also a co-host on the Lunch Break Marketing Podcast. Um, and uh, we talk about marketing design. Yeah, but I really love it. Be listening to some of the episodes. Great stuff. John, like to introduce yourself. Sure thing. My name is John Locke. Uh, my business is Lockdown Design, providing SEO and custom WordPress theme development for mid-sized businesses. All right. And I'm Jonathan Denwood. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We are trusted WordPress partner when it comes to service, security, and keeping your site up. Um, so, folks, we've got some great stories this week. Um, when it comes to the stories, things um, definitely been moving. And uh, I think we'll start off with um, a tavern story from WP Tavern. Adobe discontinues Flash support and updates in 2020. Da-da-da-da. What do you think of this one, Sally? Uh <coughs> It's about time. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, I skipped Flash. Uh, Flash was the thing to do on the web basically during the period that I was retired. Uh, and uh, so I, I really was grateful to have, have missed that entirely because it, it just seems like such a, you know, it, 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 it was so bad in terms of what the web is really supposed to be. Uh, and it, it was so overused for annoying things. Well, well funny, enough, funny enough, my first paying gig was to make a, a flash intro. I got into it with 
by flash actually uh, oh uh, people people did and you know sometimes it was used well but a lot of times it was just irritating oh we have to watch this long intro before we can actually get to your website and do what we were going there to do it was actually my it was actually a quite good gig so um, um it was for the london underground for one of their subsite they wanted the intro and it was a uh, yeah i won't go into it uh, um basically what did you think kim i I was the same. It's about time. Um, there are some gaming communities out there still that need mm. to start rethinking themselves because they're, I think, the last holdout that I see. Uh, I, unlike Sally, was not able to avoid Flash. I was back in a developer during that time and, and had to actually work with some of the original Adobe on uh, intranet training things that were all Flash-based. And it wow. really was not fun or pretty. So I'm, I'm happy it's going that way. And um, I'm hoping a few of the gamers that gaming communities that I play in will keep up to date. Well, I started when it was still Macromedia. It oh, wasn't yeah. even Adobe. <laughs> Me too. Uh, what did you think, Jason? Um, so when I started out, I guess it was uh, in my internships, it was reinforced to me that I really needed to know Flash. Um, I was very resistant because I was like, that's not really something that I'm kind of like into. Um, I really liked kind of like the coding aspect of it. Uh, and so uh, Flash wasn't uh, something I really loved, but uh, it's something that I've run into a lot over the years to try and educate people like, no, you don't need that on your site. No, you don't want that on your site. Uh, and I guess with the prevalence of uh, iPhones, uh, which, uh, you know, don't support it, right? So uh, you can't even see a site when you're uh, loading up uh, your phone. And uh, uh, I think that was really probably the, the biggest death knell for them. Mm -hmm. And um, and then uh, moving forward, I'm, I'm just ecstatic because it's hopefully something in a few years we're not even going to have to think about anymore. Um, I know that, uh, what was it? Gosh, it was last week. Uh, I got sent this training video from HR and they said, you need to watch this video. You need to follow through these steps and you need to complete it by the end of the day. I said, okay, I pulled it up and my flash player was out of date. I could have to restart yeah. my computer. I had to move to, from Firefox to Chrome to Firefox. And I was like, I, I'm so sick of this. When, when is it going to be gone? And I feel like I read the story like the next day and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. What about yeah. you, John? What about you, John? Uh, John has disappeared. John's disappeared. John, he's having some technical trouble. So we go on to the next I will story. throw out, can I just throw out one yeah, thing, Jonathan? On. For people yeah. who are interested at all in the backstory of the Flash decision, what happened with Apple, et cetera, because I agree, I think that was a big part of the death now. Um, the book Play Bigger, yeah. which is just a fabulous business book anyway, they do a detailed markdown because one of those guys was with the one of the companies. So yeah. it's it's a great story if you want to, to dig in a little more. Yep, uh, I would agree. Thanks. Um, hopefully John will join. Um, on to the next story quickly. Evento, uh, Evento. Envato. I always, put, I always pronounce it <laughs> incorrectly. I'm, oh, um, has too much cash so staff will share its riches. Well, they seem to be making a bit of money. What do you think, Jason? Um, you know, as somebody who's used a lot of templates over the years, um, uh, I love Envato. Um, uh, did I say that right? Envato? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. You, did, um, you did better than me. Can you, can you host, <laughs> the, host the show, actually? Yeah, yeah, um, I'll be on next week. Um, so uh, as somebody who's used them a lot, um, I have a lot of respect for how they stepped in 
they might be a, a giant in the space right now, but I have a lot of respect for how they stepped in and really put a lot of structure to uh, WordPress largely because they have so they offer so many different themes. But their support community that that runs through there, um, I love the product. Um, I don't really use any kind of custom themes any any of those things anymore. I do everything kind of custom uh, or page builder stuff, but um, I love it. And, and to say that you've got a cash overflow problem, um, I would love to have that problem. Uh, and the fact that they've given it to their, to their employees, um, huge, huge respect for that. Um, uh, I love it. Love it. Love reading that story. Yeah. What did you think about it, Kim, on a business kind of um, outlook? Were you surprised how much money they're making? I was. And, you know, how many times have we heard people talk about these markets being dead? Mm. <laughs> and obviously not for them. Um, and I agree with Jason. I completely respected, you know, what they were making, how they decided to bring the employees in and share it. Uh, I am one of those people who has a real love-hate relationship with some of their themes mm. uh, yeah. because I think some of them are really, really bad. But... Um, but I love the business side of how they handled it. And obviously they're doing something right if they're making that much. Right. Yeah. Let's hope they're paying their taxes. That's what I've got to say. Um, <laughs> <coughs> Sally, what did you think? Uh, I think that after that, that public announcement uh, about the money that, that, you know, if they haven't been paying their taxes, they'll be hearing from the tax office. But uh, I, I think they made a great decision. And, and yeah, you know, some of Theme Forest's most popular themes are simply dire and I, you know, wish they didn't exist. But as a company, it seems like they're doing things right. It's great that they're making a profit. I think it's great that they're bootstrapped. You know, they're, they're wondering about going public and... Hmm. You know, I, I can understand why they would hesitate because, you know, they've had the control over their own business that you get when you don't have venture capital funding. And also the, you know, once people start investing and once you go public, there's such a pressure to, you know, push up your uh, push up your profits at the expense of anything else. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I can I can see why they'd hesitate. And, and clearly they're, you know, they're they're willing to take the time to really think about their next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also only thing I would say see what your reaction quickly panel is um, I think Automatic must be watching this a little bit you know we've had this thing about um, Jetpack and having um, a selection of themes um, in Jetpack and that do you think um, do you think Automatic must are looking at these results and thinking oh, maybe this is something we should go in have a re-look at it what do you think Kim? I don't know. It's a question. And, you know, it's been one of those things that's been thrown out a lot by different developers, particularly theme developers of is the more automatic ads these are they going into even are are those people who focus on vertical markets where they just do themes for restaurants, etc. Is that where automatics coming next? So I think there's a definite possibility. What do you think, Jason? Um. To, to be honest, um, yeah, while I love Envato, um, I'm just, I'm really sick of themes, um, pre-built, pre-built themes. I'm just, I can't tell you how, like, how much I hate it. And I think we might talk on this later, but Beaver Builder is like my go-to. Um, I have a couple different core themes that really have no, nothing built into it other than the fact that it gives a nice uh, menu and it looks nice on mobile, uh, the menu. Um, cause that's really all I care about. Um, and, uh, just being able to have a page builder is what it's at for me. So, um, 
I would say that I'm indifferent. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just really, um, you know, I, I'm, I really don't like, I really don't like them. <laughs> yeah. I've got kind of medium road. I, I still think theme, you know, if you're a marketer with a good design eye or do, uh, a designer that's in marketing, mm-hmm. fine. But a lot of people just haven't got, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to find the right words because I don't want to belittle anybody, but I've been in front of people with a show me stuff and it's just, they think it looks fantastic and it's a dog's breath, uh, to say the least. And uh, um, and they're going to throw it up and, you know, kind of on... on that was the on, key word, throw it up. Throw it up <laughs> online and destroy the reputation of their company. So um, got to be a bit careful. Um I'm going to go on to the next story, all right? Because um, um, I think I was waffling. Um, let's go on to somebody on the panel wrote this one up, and it's really juicy. It just kind of uh, made my day, actually, when I read this one. Uh, Motato domain expires, lessons learned. Right. <laughs> like, Jason, you're the writer of this. Can you give us a bit of a background, a quick introduction of what all this was about? Right. So um, before the background, uh, real quick, uh, and I explained this a little bit before the uh, show started, but uh, this was actually a test. Um, I am heavily into marketing and lead generation and, you know, traffic and understanding the flows and all that stuff, which unfortunately that's where marketing is, is just treating people as leads. But um, the thought was, how can I find something that's happening right now and then write about it quickly and then leverage that to uh, gain content? And so um, I just happened to, it was kind of a thought that I had in the back of my head for a while. Uh, and uh, I got a text from a friend of mine and he said, dude, look at Marketo's website and uh, logged on. And I was like, oh my word, we got to talk about this now. Uh, and then I got on Twitter, started realizing that long story short, Marketo did not renew their domain and uh, expired. <laughs> it expired. And um then you just had this mayhem that ensued where people were trying to uh, get on access. Uh, you know, they released a statement that said that emails were not affected, but I was reading a lot of stuff on Twitter where people were saying that scheduled content still sent, but the landing pages were broken. So um, they did have a lot of issues. And the fact of the matter is it was a really bad day for Marketo, but it was also a really bad day for Marketo users, right? So um, the whole core of the article talks about, yeah, they screwed up big time. It was bad. It was really bad. But it's about the response that they had to it because that really shows what a company is about, right? It's not this collection of everything that you've done wrong. It's really uh, how you respond to what you do wrong, those mistakes. And they did things well. I mean, they, they you know, they were uh, rushing around to renew the domain uh, and they actually had a brand, what I call a brand ambassador step in and he paid for it. Um, he was like, hey, hope that helped. Um, and, uh, you know, he stepped in and took care of it. And then, uh, uh, and then they responded well on social media. They had really good outreach and they handled situations well. And, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they, uh, I think they're ready to move on. Um, uh, but you know, they, they handled the situation well as best they could. I just love we've got all these different names for different people now, isn't it? Like growth hackers and <laughs> and yeah. you got all these different titles, aren't they, that have emerged. You know, when you go to um a startup or um 
online website and you read the titles of all the people it's just amazing how um, how much effort's gone into their titling right. all these different people you know and it's all a load of crap isn't it yeah. Yeah, well, most, most of them are quite meaningless and and uh, you know it, I, i'm not sure that that other people are going to treat them as grown-ups if they don't use um <clears throat> Uh, you know, don't use job titles that that yeah. you can understand. Uh, but um, you know, I was uh, uh, having been you know forced to work with some of Marketo's uh, mm. stuff, and and finding it just just like styling their forms is is a horrendous task. Right. Uh, you know, I, I could not help feeling a, a certain degree of Schadenfreude to hear this. But I was. What, really, what was that word? What was that word? The, the word is schadenfreude and it means you know taking delight in the suffering of others i love uh, that word i love that word this, this is jason's word of the day <laughs> it we, is. we could we could start that as a as a, <laughs> as, as a series yes. it, and it did surprise me that they haven't you know they didn't have their theme on on auto renew i mean i tried mm. not to put anything on auto renew because i have cash flow issues uh being a small but business not when you not when you're uh, been uh, uh valued at what as over a billion dollars for this right company, a right? company yeah. like marketo can freaking well record afford yes. to have to have their it's just, you know, you just, you just even can't. if they have it in 20 versions you yeah. know so it, it just is you know it, it was fairly shocking that, that that you know that that happened to them but i think they have done a good job with a with mm. a crisis communication and that that yeah. you know i i know a lot of people who are in the pr and business communications and this is pretty much what they say okay something happens you need to respond right away mm-hmm. you know you need to take responsibility for for whatever you messed up and you need to tell people here's you know here's what we're doing about it mm-hmm. uh, and if you respond you know quickly and and sincerely you know people will respect you and and forgive you and you know there are people who were inconvenienced and you know depending on on how serious that was for them i don't know what the what the company will do but you know <clears throat> they got it back up and running. They didn't just like mm. pretend nothing was wrong or that they didn't need to say anything or, or do any of those things that would make it worse for them. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, it's just awful. You just can't, you know, you just can't get that go daddy on auto renewal for five years. Can you, you know, it's just, just, it's just terrible. What do you think? Uh, I think the other factor, am I not correct, Jason? They know you've been on the, have they not been trying to sell themselves for a while? Have they not been on the market? Marketo? Kind of, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, they were um, they were positioned as the number one marketing software back in like 2012, 2013. Um, so I would think positioning themselves to be bought is as kind of like every tech company's desire, right? So it's how do I build and build and build this company to be purchased? But as far, I actually don't know that. Um, but... I always found this, uh, the little bit of work I've had to do with it, to be honest, uh, I found it a little bit clunky, especially Mm -hmm. compared to HubSpot um, stuff, which I'm not totally keen on either. But um, I actually thought HubSpot's um, actual interface UX design was more um, smoother. Mm -hmm. But that was just my opinion. Got any kind of end remarks about this story, Kim? No. Are you silent, Kim? You're on mute, Kim, I think. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Mainly just that everyone should go read Jason's article because you broke it down really, really well. If anybody's interested in more, that yeah. covers it. I will yeah. say, I will say um, now that I've had a chance to think about it, 
in response to your question, the um, about you know, are they positioning themselves to be sold? You know, I think that um, you know, Marketo is in a unique position where they work with like their Marketo champions and uh, they're like connected people to help make their product better uh, to kind of you know increase uh, uh, or I don't know streamline processes and stuff like that. I know there's a company out of Canada, um, one of probably many, but they're called NAC, K-N-A-K. Um, and their position is to step in and make functional templates for stuff like Marketo and Eloqua and things like that for emails and landing pages where Marketo falls short, they step up and actually make really cool uh, features to, to help. So I think they've positioned themselves probably in this space and probably not put a lot of effort into making those things better because they work with all these other companies who adopt their product and spend all that money uh, working on it to make them better. So I think they have, they've put themselves in that position probably on purpose. Yeah. Well, it's always, it's always a kind of give and take argument. You know, you got companies of a certain size that wanted us to go to one vendor and get most of their marketing technology for one vendor so you end up with a kind of swiss army knife mm -hmm. of a of a vendor or the alternative is that you go to the best of each particular sector and get their product but then you have a jumble of different technologies and company services which um has a higher service level requirement mm -hmm. and training because you've got to learn all these different interfaces and how they work together so it's always a back and forth really you know about do we use something that has a unified interface but might not be on the top of the leading edge of technology right. or do we use these separate companies and it's there's never a yes or right about that because it goes back and forth like a yo-yo on to the next one that that brought, brought another smile to my face. Uh, um, GoDaddy launches WordPress premium support to provide small business with 24x7 expertise. And what got me chuckled was that it published it on ASSPX website uh, page. That, that really put a joke. So what did you think of that, Sally? I, well, I, I think there, you know, there's there's a certain um, uh, amusement in, in that fact, but you know, I've I've read work articles about WordPress that were published on Joomla, and you know, you you notice the irony. But I presume that this is where they publish all of their press releases, and you know, there are some reasons to build things in in you know ASP.x. There there really are. Are there? Are, uh, there? are you sure? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like compiled stuff, speed. But it's you know it's expensive and it's not what a lot of people need or should be should be paying for. I, I you know they they probably have some reasons for for not switching everything over. Uh, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I just recently had some contact with GoDaddy support because I have some clients who are there. I'm I'm trying really to persuade, sorry. Trying I'm to really persuade sorry. them all to move, mind you, but because uh, you know GoDaddy has come so far as a company. You know, I was just reading an article about how. You know, they've become a, a, a terrific place, you know, for women to work and, and increase their diversity. And they've done all this outreach into the community. And, you know, they have people like, you know, Mendel working for them. They've done some really good. Their hosting is still terrible. And, and, and until that gets fixed, right. I, I can't recommend for people to stay there. But, you know, when I contact support, uh, they 
do usually manage to figure things out eventually. And, um, you know, GoDaddy would not be as successful as they are if they weren't really good at this upselling thing. Mm. So, you know, premium support clearly means you're going to pay extra for it. Uh, but people, you know, there are people who will find that worth it. Uh, so I think it's a, and we know they, you know, they bought WP Curve a, a while ago. It's, so figured something like this must be in the works. Uh, it makes sense for them to do. Uh, you know, I still want them to see them actually improve their hosting product. Mm. Okay. What did you think, Jason? Um, uh, very, uh, you know, similar thoughts uh, as far as, um, you know, I'm pretty down on their hosting. Um, and you know, I've never, I, honestly, I've never had a good uh, uh, experience with their support. Um, and uh, I'm also in the same space where I am trying to get customers to move. Uh, I actually am uh, on uh, almost completely now on WP Engine. Uh, shout out to WP Engine and all the amazing things that they do. I don't know. Are you any of you guys on WP Engine? I have some clients there. It's, it's gotcha. you know, I, I, I don't have a si single, there isn't a single host that fits everybody. So, right. you know, I, I try to, to recommend what's going to be appropriate. Right. So for me, um, gosh, I've been maybe 16, 17 years that I've been um, uh, designing and building websites. But for me, WP Engine, hands down, it's, they, they have it going on. Support, oh my God, I could, I could just talk all day about how much I love their support. Um, but it's for, for GoDaddy, it's, they have, they have a learning curve, a massive, massive learning curve with, uh, WordPress. Um, and, uh, up until now, uh, even with their WordPress managed hosting, uh, which I think, didn't they release like, like last year or something like that? Longer um, ago than that. It was okay, a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. So even that is crap. I'm sorry. Um, but, um, you know, they, they definitely have a lot of things that they can learn in the space as far as WordPress specifically. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, downtime, I think is a huge issue, uh, that I've experienced personally with some of my customers and, uh, trying to get them off of GoDaddy because downtime and WordPress, um, uh, with GoDaddy is, is, has been a massive issue. Um, in fact, I'm actually working with WP engine right now, uh, on a case study I did for downtime. I had one customer that I tested across multiple uh, uh, for across a month and uh, she had three and a half hours, I think of total downtime on her site. And, uh, and it was always at the worst time of day. I mean, it would be like five minutes here, five minutes here. And then sometimes it'd be half an hour. Sometimes it would be longer. So, um, it was consistently GoDaddy That was the source of the uh, downtime. So I, I think they have, they have a lot of, uh, issues in WordPress space. So, I mean, I wish them the best of luck. I know that they're, uh, have a small partnership with WP uh, Elevation, which is a great community of folks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that they do well. I don't wish uh, bad on anybody, but they have a long way to go. A long way to go. There we go. Um, what did you think, Kim? Hmm, same thing, agreed. Not surprising <laughs> from their purchase, yeah. but they really do have a long way to go. My clients who I moved off, in fact, I got to a point when I was still doing sites where I refused to work with people if they stayed on the host. Um, because a lot of it for me wasn't even just downtime, it was performance issues. I mm, mean, the true. performance was horrible, you know, and I'd have to charge them like five times more than I would normally be charging them while I was updating the site because I was sitting there waiting and waiting and watching and waiting. And yes, last, last week you missed me telling Mendel that the, 
<laughs> using the WordPress admin on GoDaddy made me want to shoot myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, was, he was a bit hurt, which, you know, it, it's obviously it's not Mendel's fault, but that is how I feel. Yeah, me too. Well, I think the reality is I was thinking about all the conversations because I've had a, um, over the past couple of years, I've had a go at GoDaddy, but funny enough, it was for different reasons, which I won't go in because it's done and over with. But when it comes to this, um, I think what we forget is the dominance of them and EGI Bluehost and their uh, subsidiary um, hosting platform providers, how much market share they have. And I think it's a consequence of also a price structure in the hosting industry that fundamentally, when you look at the business um, reality, the mechanics, doesn't really work any work the 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 but unfortunately um we've got into a situation where a, it's in the psyche of the general population that they're going to get effective hosting for three to four dollars a month and the reality is you can't get uh, it, that can only work with a website that's really getting hardly any traffic at all mm and the support standards and everything else that you expect you can't really get on that price point but it's in the psyche of the consumer that they can get that and the responsibility of how that situation in has happened you could argue back and forth about the responsibility but it's a fact isn't it what do you well, think, and, and hosting companies you know, would promise unlimited everything. You know, unlimited doesn't actually exist. So they say, oh, you get, you know, unlimited bandwidth and unlimited this and unlimited that. And then suddenly, you know, your site gets slash dotted or, or whatever they call it these days, you know, and, and you know, 100,000 visitors arrive at once yeah. and it takes the whole server down and they turn your site off and, it, you know, you've, you've got a big issue. And I think if they'd been more honest about, okay, we can provide you know, low budget hosting for small sites without a lot of traffic, and you, you know, this is what you get for that, then they wouldn't be in that position where they're overselling server space in order to keep their own costs down uh, and, uh, you know, and setting people up for problems like that. Yep, I think we covered it. Um, let's go on to the final last story, and then we'll get on to the other break. Um, so, um, where is it? Where is that story? It's from WP Shout. It was about, um, let's get the title, um, Beaver Builder, a WordPress developer's perspective. Um, nice article, actually. Um, what did you think of this one, Jason? Uh, loved it. Um, I actually, three months ago, switched, and I uh, am exclusively building uh, with uh, Beaver Builder as my page builder. Uh, again, I, I, I do everything as like a test, like uh, is, is A or B more efficient? And uh, um, I tried Elementor versus Beaver Builder, um, had a ton of issues with Elementor. I said, forget it, screw it, go away, uh, move to Beaver Builder, and I haven't looked back. It is, it is increased my um, uh, production speed so much uh, like I can build a site so much faster um, when, when you combined when you combine beaver builder with a really good understanding of CSS gosh you have 
relatively unlimited possibilities because you're building on WordPress uh, for one. And then you combine a really great page builder with uh, some, some skills with CSS. Gosh, you can, you can build any site. It's crazy. They're great. And uh, they've been on the, um, we've interviewed them. They're a great team. Highly respect them. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a great project. And they're great members of the WordPress community. And they haven't given me a check to say that. Uh, <laughs> it just, there's no sponsor. They have sponsored the show a couple of episodes, but um, not, to, not today. What did you think, Kim? I'm also a Beaver Builder fangirl. Uh, love them. Mm-hmm. I pretty much use them all the time. I teach them. My latest site, my personal latest site is there. And um, I actually use both their theme and the builder. Mm. And now I'm just learning their new Beaver themer, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited about what that's going to give me. Uh, so that, and I loved the article. I mean, that was a beautiful deep dive yeah. into it. He did a really good job. Yeah. What did you think, Sally? Um, you know, they write very thorough articles at, at WP Shout. And I, I, I like the disclaimer at the, at the beginning, you know, there, there are no affiliate links. We're, we've not been paid for any of it. And I think, you know, these days you actually really need to say that because so many people who are writing reviews, the reviews are paid for and it may not be like really immediately, obviously clear. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had people offer me money to give to write some reviews and I'm like you're joking right you know if I write a review I, I can't let it be influenced by anything right. uh, but uh, you know I, I do think it's a good product and you know that what he talked about is that well we weren't even going to test anything that you know hadn't been on sort of the list of, of plugins that you know Pippin Williamson said you mm-hmm. know these are good in terms of their code and structure and not interfering with with other plugins that, that you might have in, installed. Uh, and then, you know, kind of went over, well, here's what it's like and, and what you can do. And we had a meetup about Beaver Builder recently. And, you know, I had not actually used it since pretty much it first came out. So, and I found myself with it, you know, a, a, a small site I was redoing for a colleague and, and, you know, she had bought one of those horrible kitchen sink themes from Theme Forest. And it came with Visual Decomposer. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was so horrendously awful. And, you know, part of her, her issue was the site was really slow. Plus, it looked absolutely craptastic because, you know, she's a brilliant woman, but not a designer. And uh, so I decided, okay, well, let me, you know, pull, you know pick a, a, a simple theme. We're going to see how far we can get with just the free version of Beaver Builder, which actually is very far because mm-hmm. you can put widgets in it. So, you know, instead of, you know, that I build on Genesis and, you know, the, the widgetized homepage idea that they came up with was sort of a kludgy workaround for our not having a good way to structure. And it's really confusing to clients. And so one of the nice things is that instead of somebody having to go like drag widgets around in the widget area instead of editing their homepage on the homepage, which is mm. the logical thing, you know, you, you put the builder in there and then you, you know, create different sections and you put widgets in some of the sections and it's all there in one place and you get a good sense of, of what it's, you know, what it's actually supposed to be uh, doing for you. And it's way, I mean, you know, Visual Composer is so horrendous to work with, uh, you know, even apart from the, 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 the mess of short codes mm-hmm. and all the other problems that that it has and uh, so i you know i was very pleased with it and i probably will use it in more places where 
you know, I want to be able to, to quickly put up a certain layout. I think it's not, you know, you need to know enough that you have more than one tool uh, and that, you know, sometimes it is going to be better to code a template or to, you know, to use it a different solution. But in other cases, this is a great option. And, and all the silly, you know, there are those people out there who are like, oh, well, you're not a real developer if, or you're not, a, you know, all of that is just so stupid and childish. What you need to yeah. do is what works best for you and for your clients. And if, if there aren't, you know, horrible complications to your code and your site performance and other kinds of consequences that have come with some of the page builders, then there's no reason to avoid it. You know, you make your life easier. If you're still providing the same value to your client, you can still charge them the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't care what you, well, the reality is they don't care if you're using WordPress, yeah. Joomla, whatever. They, don't, they just want a right. site that they, works. Right. They want an, they want an outcome. And, and I think people forget that, you know, it's, they're not paying you specifically for writing code or having coding skills. They're, they're paying you to give them a website that's going to help them meet their business goals. I learned really quickly not to talk WordPress talk to um, general clients. They're not interested in post types, um, um, taxonomies. If you even mention that talk, they just glaze over and they think less of you. So I keep well clear of it. Well, um, we're going to finish off now. I'm going to go to our break. And when we're coming back, we're going to have a quick chat of tools and understanding your site visitors. I think we've had a great um, news section with some great stories and we'll be back in a minute folks see you soon do you want to spend more time making money online then use wp tonic as your trusted wordpress developer partner they will keep your wordpress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money examples of wp tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts widgets updates and modifications wp tonic is well known and trusted in the wordpress community they stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. It's been a great show. I really enjoyed it. Um, we're on to the main topic. Tools for understanding your site visitors. And it's a broad subject, folks. Um, um you know, from um, heat maps to Google Analytics to Clicky to... So I'm going to hit it off with Jason first. How would you start off this conversation, Jason? Um, Do you think we should start off with the analytical tools or a more general um, strategy about understanding your site visitors? Um. I mean, if you ask me, I, I love tools, uh, probably to my detriment, people tell me to stop talking about tools. So, um, uh, and quick shout out, um, I, uh, we just did a podcast recently about this and uh, wrote a blog on 500 or more tools uh, to help you uh, become a better marketer and designer. Oh, I, have to go mass- I can, I can yeah. steal the link. Oh, so only don't 500, like only nobody's going to look at that and say, Oh my God! And run screaming. <laughs> well, it was um, uh, you know. Uh, do you guys? It was a little bit excessive, yeah. wasn't it, Jason? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I admire your thoroughness, but yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that's an intimidating quantity of things to to think of tackling. Even though by the time you yeah, get established like anything, you've you've learned a whole lot of things. You just right. don't usually do them at once. 
Well, it's um, it, it's it's it breaks down into category, and then there are, there are options within each. So, like, there's instead of choosing one, you have like ten options. So, uh, that whole thing. Um, do you guys know Brian Dean? He's like he's like my guru of uh, of SEO. Uh, he's got this method called skyscraper method, and yeah. so he says, take a look at what's out there in the space, find the best one that you can find, and then add ten stories to it. And uh, I found uh, an article by the next web and they had 300 and I was like 500, that's mine. So uh, that was, again, uh, I used my blog, like I said earlier, all for testing, but um, yeah, for the sake of this, let's talk about tools. Um, uh, I'm I'm all about tools. Um, And uh, if you're using Omniture, stop using Omniture um, and go to the person who told you to use Omniture and knock them in the head. Um, That's my point of view. Um, I've used it. I've used don't it so much back. in the past. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, and um, but Google Analytics is it's a it's an amazing platform that every time I use it, I am constantly amazed by the fact that it's free. Um, I'm like, I can't believe that I can get so much insight easily for nothing. And uh, I mean, that's that's the, that's the first thing. after we build the site. Actually, even before we build sites for customers, that's the first thing. That's, that's yeah, part of our want, I just shot want to, I just want to ask you a quick uh, sub-question about Google Analytics because, yeah. you know, there's some great, um, in WordPress, there's some great third-party plugins that mm-hmm. give you give you a, a widget area or area in the, in the main um, dashboard that can right. show you. How Have you got a quick tip or a quick insight about how you use Google Analytics to get some useful data that goes above the normal, just showing you how many visitors hit the site, or is that linked more to a more detailed strategy? Um, so you can't really do it because it's it's really yeah, it deep. goes deeper. Um, you know, any any of those great tools um, uh, that allow you to see the analytics there in your WordPress dashboard, I feel like they all are just they're lacking. Uh, I almost just leave them there for just for customers to see, oh, okay, I can see what I'm doing. Uh, but any kind of in-depth analysis where I'm looking um, at, um, you know, maybe trying to see if uh, a customer has uh, just an online business or if they have a brick and mortar. We'll say, okay, they're brick and mortar. How can we get them more traffic in a specific area? Uh, let's look and see what cities they're getting traffic from. Maybe they can market to them and get some drive markets. Um, and so there's, oh gosh, let's, let's do another podcast. Let's do five podcasts yeah. about Google analytics. Well, um, you have to come back. Have to, <laughs> let's do it. Back, Absolutely. Do it. But no, uh, there, there's, there's so many insights to gain. Uh, every day I feel like I'm turning a new tool. I'm like, Oh wait, if I compare this piece of data to this piece of data, I can get a whole new insight. So, um, you know, Google analytics is definitely, um, for the money cause it's free. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it is it is the best insight tool I think for understanding website traffic and visitors and behaviors. So, yeah, any, are you? I also use Clicky a bit. What do you think about Clicky? Uh, I don't use it at all. No, uh, I found um, the basic free plan. Um, it just gives you a quick insight. Um, it, 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 the interface is a bit clunky compared to something like Google mm-hmm. Analytics. But the yeah. broad data that it provides is quite interesting and it gives you more insight about who is visiting, where they're coming from, a bit more detailed. What about you, Kim? Any kind of tools 
that you use to give cons- some insight about um, who's coming to the site um, and who they are, where they're coming from, blah, blah, blah. I'm the worst person about doing that. I know I should do more of it. Uh, however, I do use Google Analytics and then I use some of uh, Sumo's free tools because yeah, right. they have some kind of heat map tools and I like them. Mm. Uh, what interested me though, when you uh, pulled this, you know, when you put in that this was our topic, Jonathan, so I thought, oh, I better look at it a little bit because I just really don't use any of those tools. I get most of my information from my site actually from people who sign up through the emails and my outreach or um, who sign up for one of my classes and then my follow-up outreach. But did you see that LinkedIn is go- uh, this week announced that they now have a website? I put it in the, uh, uh, they're going to have a website demographics from LinkedIn on who's going to you, where they're coming from, from the LinkedIn space. So that interested me. They just posted that on the 26th. Wow. Well, it's logical, really, because really the amount of data um, they've got um, and I, I think that's the reason why Microsoft, you know, bought them is the amount of data they have. Um, and they haven't really, really, really seemed to have done anything with it. But I think they've got some plans for what you've just, um, which is, was news to me. Obviously, they've got some plans to, um, to change that situation. What do you think, um, Sally? Do Because that's interesting that, um, that they're going down that road, isn't it? Uh, there are a few things I think, like, like Kim, I'm not a super expert at, at tools. Um, I think the first thing is to say, well, what is it you want to understand about your site visitors? Uh, and there are probably going to be a number of, of different things. I mean, you know, the, even the, the basic information that Google Analytics gives you when you're you know, not very familiar with how to, how to set it up to show you, oh, these are the pages that are the most popular, or this is the behavior flow of where people go when they land on this page. Where, where are they going next? Mm-hmm. What are they? I mean, if somebody asked me to, once to, to do an analysis of why they're, um, they'd, put a, they'd put an ad out in a, a, you know, a fairly targeted print publication and, you know, it, why, it, why they didn't see any sales from that. Well, I, what I discovered was, you know, that the link in the coupon basically pointed to the home page and the home page did not have like a big buy my product here mm. place. So people were never getting to the purchase page. Uh, you know, looking at the flow, people didn't go from the home page to the purchase page. It wasn't obvious how to, how to get there. And, you know, you don't have to be an expert at Google Analytics to see that. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, I think we pay for Google. I think we pay for Google in terms of the amount of information we give them. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a trade-off that, that in the main uh, we are willing to make, you know, those of us who are aware of making it. Uh, but, you know, they, they do have a great product. Uh, one thing that has come up for me, because I work with uh, a number of podcasters, is, um, you know, podcast download statistics. Mm. And... You know, what happens is no two sources of these ever give you the same information. Uh, so it, it can be difficult to know. And, and you know, there was a, a recent announcement from Apple that, you know, people who have things published on iTunes are going to start to get some statistics about them. And um, that, uh, you know, that will be interesting to see because you can, you know, you can find out some things if you look at... Uh, you know, some people have their 
their feeds run through FeedBurner, for instance, and that will show you some things or have um, uh, statistics from uh, Blueberry, the, the company that makes the uh, PowerPress uh, plugin. Uh, you can set up statistics with, with them and, uh, you know, to help to see, like, how are most people getting to this uh, episode? Where are most people listening, you know, on iTunes, on, on something else? Are, are a lot of people just going to the website and, and pressing the play button, uh, you know, and a little more uh, breakout? I heard a great mm -hmm. story on I Forget Which Podcast uh, about... Um, you know, the importance of analytics and, and data from a, a woman who'd been working with, uh, you know, something like a, a rugby association website. And um, the owners of the website insisted that there were no female viewers of, of the, and they did the, they went and looked at the analytics and found out that the, the split was actually basically 50 50. Mm. Uh, and it's like, you know, surprise, what you think you know about the people coming to your website may actually, you know, not be true. And, and, you know, you need to have this information in order to make uh, decisions about the content that you put up there. That's great. Thanks, Sally. Um, Jason, so we've covered Google Analytics. What are some of the other, you know, you mentioned, uh, escape me the tool that you said you didn't like. I haven't used that one myself, actually. Are there some others that you think will really help owner get some basic information from this 500 list? Um, you know, um, I don't even think if I don't even think I mentioned these two on the list. I just I seriously just wrote myself a note and I was like, I got to go make it 502. Um, but um, I have a, a couple that are my go-to's um, when I'm when I'm building a site when I'm trying to understand um, customer behavior. Um, First one is Hotjar. Uh, it's a great little uh, it's a great little tool for heat maps and uh, recording. Um, you know how people are moving across the pages. Um, I, for some reason, I always end up building sites that are really heavily based in lead generation. So it's important for me to know how they interact with the page. Uh, really understanding that uh, user experience and how they're journeying across the site. Uh, so that's a great tool. And uh, again, it's free for. Uh, I think for the for the for the page views where it like records how they interact, uh, it records up to 100. I think for free, and you just go in. What I do is it pings me when it's full. I go in, view them, delete them, and then I'm uh, back in business. So, uh, Hotjar is a really great tool, and there are other um, heat map tools out there. Um, Traffic Truffle is a great one that I've started using recently. Um, I think it's out of the UK. Um, but it tells me when somebody has been on my site uh, from a company. Uh, so somebody who's got a, uh, a company domain, uh, it tells me when they've uh, viewed my site, how long they viewed my site and what pages they've been on. So that's kind of a great sales tool. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of those out there, but Traffic Truffle again is one of the free ones. I always like to start with free stuff just because, yeah. um, you know, I don't want to go ahead and commit to something, especially for a customer, if they're not going to find value in it. So I kind of sell them on the free here. This is what it can do. Uh, these are the kind of insights you can gain for nothing. And then they're like, okay, I'll buy it. So um, those are kind of my two other go-tos, Hotjar and uh, Traffic Truffle. Right. And so you get the site up and you start to get, so um, how do you target your traffic, you know, who you're trying to appeal for your content 
Jason. Is that the next step? Um, well, mean getting, be... getting them like to where I want them to go or well, explain what you mean. Yeah. Um, I need to do that, don't I? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would think that, that who you want to have there is part of your definition of your business identity yeah. where you need to start. Yeah. And, and then you're using the analytics to find out, are you in fact appealing to, to those people? Right. Exactly. But you've you got to have some um, strategy about how you're going to get to that goal. Um, so how, you know, you're starting with a, a company that's, at A and they want to be they want to get to B. So mm-hmm. there has to be a mythology about the content you're that you're gonna produce yeah. after you've done the heat map and um about how that content is doing um and how you do the research about the content. Maybe you can give some insight about that. Yeah, I believe it's leveraging it's leveraging that uh those tools and the insights that they can give to find First off, quick wins. Um, you know, uh, I think um, uh, Sally, you mentioned like uh, they viewed that site and they found that it was a 50-50 split between men and women. That's, and, and they previously thought that it was like 100% men or, uh, or way yeah, skewed that, towards that's men. What they, that's what they believed. Women I mean, to me, rugby. massive opportunity to go on and say, create a Facebook marketing campaign and target to women who meet those demographic settings that you see in, uh, in Google analytics. Um, and so just finding, finding these areas of opportunity where say, um, uh, say, man, we get a lot of traffic on this page. Okay. Well, let's change up the, the calls to action. Cause maybe that page isn't converting. So, uh, you know, let's maybe change, um, move, move the call to action higher, uh, cause they're not scrolling far enough. Uh, so get it in front of them so they can see it. So it's about, uh, it's about gaining insights and these little quick wins that you can kind of turn it around and then increase traffic. And then, as I mentioned before, it's about finding these opportunities where you've just completely undervalued maybe a massive segment uh, of potential business and then act on that. So you might change your marketing and your branding messages to focus more on women in their case. So um, massive insights, as I was saying before with Google Analytics specifically, I mean, there's just you can spend all day going, Oh, you know what? This page gets a lot of traffic and they always end up going to back to the homepage. Well, why, why do they, why? And so it's, it kind of, I think it leads to a lot of internal company discussions and a lot of just like thought into why are they doing it this way? Um, And that allows you as a uh, marketer and a designer and a web developer to kind of take those insights and retool and uh, you know, make amazing things happen when you kind of take those insights and then shift your model. I think that was great. So let's just quickly recap. So what I think you're saying is you use your heat map when you're, when you're developing the site, designing the site to see Mm -hmm. some of the assumptions that you're making are correct. And that's why you using a, a free tool that we've discussed is a good idea folks. Then obviously you've got your initial content but then you need to then you need to get it up and then you set up your Google Analytics and then after a few weeks you start getting data about 
some of the assumptions you're making about how people are going to be their journey through your website is going to be influenced by the content you're providing. And in some ways that, that when you start getting around what in marketing are called funnels, because hmm. basically I call it the velvet glove. You want to see, you want content that gets more specific about specific products or services that you provide. And you want to see, um, every page you're normally going to lose so many people but you do want to see a journey into a, a final outcome where you've got an offer or you're asking something from the from the person that visit your website would you say that was a good classifier i've done a good way of explaining some of the things there jason yeah absolutely you hit the nail on the head and i just made it into this when you said assumptions because everything Everything about marketing, everything about building that new site uh, or redesigning it, everything is a 100% total assumption until you add those tools and you test it and you see where that traffic is actually moving and coming from and going. It's all an assumption. Uh, and so you have to leverage those tools and those insights in order to make a better product and to, you know, improve Right, so you're you're getting you're getting data for Google Analytics about where they're going. Are they are you getting a terrible bounce rate from the home page? Mm -hmm. That would give you insight. That um, bounce, folks, is um, basically um, they're hitting the site and they're literally leaving almost straight away. Yeah. And that shows that your basic SEO or the basic look of the home page just isn't working so there could be a number of things that going on there but it's a sign that things are not well so that's a good reason to use google analytics because you're probably going to have to look about how what how people are finding your site um and is it the are you providing the right uh, on-site seo to attract the right people right so um when it comes to your SEO research, Jason, are, are there some tools that you use for that? Um, <clears throat> I use uh, Google's keyword tool planner, keyword planner tool, whatever it is. Uh, I use a lot of that. Um, uh, when I'm working specifically with WordPress, um, I always install Yoast. And um, I use that to, to understand, um, to, to give me insights into the, uh, into the copy. So like it uses the, uh, uses the readability index. So it tells me if the content uh, flows well. Um, and uh, it tells me, you know, once I enter that, uh, that keyword, um, the focus keyword for the page, it tells me, have I used it enough? Have I used it too much? Um, uh, it's a really great tool for getting a really comprehensive look on the page. Uh, once you start writing, uh, but, um, uh, Gosh, and I, and I can look it up while we while we keep talking here. But um, there's another tool that I started recent using recently for keyword research. Um, I think KeywordTool.io uh, is another one. It gives you super basic, um, uh, super basic uh, insight. Um, well, the, the one I would recommend, um, folks that's not too expensive. They've got a free version. You, you can try so many searches. Um, mm -hmm. Is the KW Finder. Um, it's the basic tool that I use initially when I'm doing some research. Mm -hmm. And Brian Jackson put it on, another panelist member put me onto it. And it's a tool that I use regularly now. 
Um, if you want to go a bit up, but it's a big jump in price, folks. I, I do admit it. Um, but it gives you an enormous amount of data about your competition. Is SE, SEM Rush. Mm, um, but it's not a cheap tool. Um, I do I, I do have it monthly, um, but it's not. Uh, I bought the year. I, I sucked it up. I had a, I got a good coupon code deal <laughs> from, on it. Um, another tool that really helps you look at um, the broader picture. They've got a free plugin um, for Chrome and for Firefox, folks. But also you can use their website um, to a certain degree free for free before you have to pay. But if you go on the pay version, it's expensive. It's similar web. Um, mm. It's a really nice product that tells, gives you really good statistics and insight about your competition, where they're getting their traffic. Because the reason why I want to mention this, folks, is it's a really good idea to look at your competitors' websites um, that are above you, that are punching higher than you, not too high because it's going to take too much money and time to get there. But mm. make a judgment call, somebody that's doing a bit better than you and see where they're getting their traffic, what is drawing the traffic in, and then uh, make some strategy how you're going to do better based on... Um, Brian Dean's, you know, you mentioned it, didn't you? Um, the skyscraper that some of the content that your competition is producing, you're just going to have to produce some better content. What do you think of that, Jason? Do you think I'm right about that? Absolutely, 100%. Um, it's about it's about looking and to see what's out there in the space and making something better, right? Because that's that's the name of the game. Uh, you want to have the best content available. Um, I just thought of two more. Um, SE Cockpit. Uh, which is actually the recommended tool from Brian Dean uh, for giving you keyword research. And uh, uh, WordStream, um, they have a bunch of free tools if you go to their yeah. site. Um, they have a bunch of specific to keyword research, like uh, I think that helps you like find niche, um, niche finders and keyword groups and stuff like that. So um, tons of great tools out there, like you said, uh, in the space to, to, to make better content, really. And I think, folks, the reason why I brought this up um, is that there's a kind of linkage between your Google Analytics and your SEO research. Because you do your SEO research, folks, um, you make some assumptions, you produce mm -hmm. some articles, um, and um, you don't have to do any of this, folks. But what will happen is that you just—I've you, learned the hard way that if you don't do this stuff. Um, you put a lot of time in articles and they just do not get the results that you are, that you are hoping for. Um, so basically if you do some basic SEO research and some, some research on your competition, then you, um, sort out, um, your kind of funnel, your flow in your website and make a parent and sub pages and then you put your content you're going to be treated a lot better by google than if you don't do anything like this what do you reckon sally do you think we is there some of the things you talk to clients about sometimes you know depending on on, on how much uh, how much seo they're interested in and how much follow-up and whether they've got you know somebody else who's who's mostly doing that uh you know i have found that uh, one thing that I, uh, you know, that gives me information about 
uh, who's reading my content is comments. Uh, and so, you know, well, I, I can be pretty sure that every time I post a tutorial about anything having to do with the events calendar, I will get readership and comments. And I, and that's partly because the people over at Modern Tribe will plug my article. Right. Uh, so I, you know, I have a, I have a nice, you know, source of, uh, uh, of material coming in, but it's, you know, it's a thing people are, are looking for. And I didn't set out really to, you know, to, to specialize in that but because I was working with it I write the tutorials mostly so I can remember how I did something and you know they happen to also be use useful to other people and then people ask questions and then I know that there are people interested in you know in, in some kind of follow-up connection and uh, you know getting the time to create the content and you know all of that is is pretty challenging but uh, you know, don't don't neglect the actual you know feedback you have from you know from from the people who are are individually using your your site. It won't give you the as much of the big picture a, as the statistics, but it it gives you some you know some concrete things. Well, I know if X person asked for for this and I publish right. it, you know that person will read it and will probably send other people to it and probably comment on it and uh, you know and and the the fact that I've written all these tutorials, you know there are lots of do-it-yourselfer types responding to them, but there are also people who are like, oh, can I hire you to, to, to fix this? I'm, I'm having trouble here. So, you know, even though in, in a way the article is written for, for other developers, it, it's also been helpful yeah. uh, with prospective clients. Uh, Kim, just to finish off, um, are there some, you know, you know, because you've been involved in um, marketing your own services and products, have there been any... Um, things that you've done that has really boosted the traffic that you that surprised you that it was a learning exercise. I wouldn't say they surprised me. Now I love the skyscraper, and we broke that down on one of my podcasts when I had a podcast, um, my own podcast. But for me, it wasn't a surprise. But it's just I think because I came to market before we all had internet. You know, I'm, I'm business pre-internet. So a lot of what brings me traffic and engagement is when I do things like podcasts or go out and speak at conferences or go to, you know, live events. I would say live events bring me a lot of my traffic. And when I go to a live event and then write a blog post about it, that's actually where I end up a lot of times getting the most comments. That's and, great. And I, I tie into those just like you do, Sally. It's the, that, that, one-on-one -on -one interaction works well for me. And that, that's a great point, Kim, because, um, you know, we can be totally focused about what we're doing online, but it's integrating it with our real-world outreach through word camps, presentations, meetups, meet all the other face-to-face. -face. It all has to be congealed into a, a strategy, and that, that's not easy, folks, but we could continue and uh, we're going to have to have Jason back uh, because yes. we've opened a can of really, and I'm passionate <laughs> about marketing because um, without effective marketing, you're probably not going to have much success on online. So, um, so I'm going to let the panel um, tell you how you can learn more about them and get hold of them. And we're going to start off with Jason. How can people learn more about you and get hold of you, Jason? <laughs> Uh, you can uh, find me on uh, on Twitter uh, at Jason Marlowe, M-A-R-L-O-W-E. Don't forget the E because you'll probably be talking to somebody else. Um, and uh, you can uh, listen to me on my podcast where we talk about marketing design and websites. It's called Lunch Break Marketing. 
uh, find us wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. <laughs> oh yeah, to go there folks. Great conversations there. I've been listening to their podcast and uh, you learn a lot. And Thanks. Sally, um, how can people get hold of you? You can find me at wpfangirl.com uh, and you can find the meetup at eastbaywp.com. And if you live in the Bay Area, you are encouraged to come along. And uh, I'm uh, at Sally Getch on Twitter and most other places. Uh, if you can spell my name, you can find me. And Kim, how can people find more about you, my dear? You can find me on Twitter at Kim Shivler. You can find my website, kimshivler.com. And from there, it links to specific sites like White Glove Web Training for Basics or How to Build an Online Course for Online Courses. And you can get hold of me, folks, quite easily on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood, or you can email me at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. I do read my email, even though there's a lot of it. And um, if you've got a personal question or suggestion for the show, that's great. Um, I, I really would appreciate that kind of feedback. Um, if you could go to iTunes, I know we mention it regularly, but it does really help the show, folks. You need, unfortunately, if you're on a PC, you're going to need iTunes. Sorry. Um, and then you click to get, you do a search for WP Tonic, and then you click another button, and then you can give a review and give, you know, any kind of feedback is much appreciated. Also, remember, we do, uh, we are mad. We produce two shows a week, the interview and our roundtable, which you're listening now. You can watch that live on our Facebook page or um, we have a, a link on the bottom of our website where you can see all our future episodes and you can join us on the show live and you can be part of the chat room. So we offer loads of opportunities for you to um, be part of the WordPress WP Tonic Tribe. So I think it's been a great show. I really enjoyed it. And we'll see you next Friday for another roundtable at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.